certain place for small group ministry, uh, like we're doing. Uh, or maybe medium group would be the ladies' uh, fellowship that meets, and smaller group is in homes. And so there's opportunities for you to get connected uh, with people, with God, with His Word, in all different venues. And I really want to encourage you to find those venues in our church. Um, that's why I said our, our small group is starting up again this week, and uh, we've got room for a couple of couples um, to, or a couple, you know, three, four, maybe five people to join us. We have some regulars that are there, and um, I took a few weeks off because uh, not good to teach the Bible while you're taking drugs, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're starting up for spring though and we'll run from now until you know the end of may or so something like that with a few uh, weeks off for uh, various events but but the focus of our group if you're considering coming the focus of our group is to help you get into the word every day and to pray every day and to do that we'll have uh, some bible study and uh, some uh, homework for you and uh, we'll encourage you in the lord and uh, we have we have a great time uh, last week, after church, uh, open your Bible to John 16, if you haven't, by the way, I'm sorry. And uh, we're working our way through the Gospel of John. We're in chapter, saying, uh, chapter uh, 16. And last week, uh, after church, one of our members brought me this little card. And since you can't see that good, I made it real big for you. And, uh, you know, it says what it says. Lord Jesus Christ, the same today, God's pillar of fire vindicates his prophet. Authenticate by, authenticated by an examiner of FBI photos. God's prophet foreruns Jesus coming. Last sign, then the rapture. Infallible 200,000 visions and discernments. I don't know how you could even make that many discernments in a lifetime. <laughs> but this fella did it. Uh, infallible visions and discernments. The 20th century prophet. C, personal interview, discernment video, Washington, D.C., secrets revealed. Read the revelation of the seven seals, exposition of the seven church ages. Heed a man sent from God, life story, 500 unabridged sermon books. Hear God's voice today. Exalting Jesus, all Bible truth. Hear 1,100 Holy Spirit anointed sermons and discernments. Interdenominational worldwide message tapes. Yes, ask for free message books. You get what you pay for. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the revealed word. Seven angels meet William Branham, commissioned to reveal Bible mysteries. Jesus' seven angels cloud, and that's apparently it right there. 26 miles high and 30 miles wide and 50 miles long. Bible prophecy fulfilled. God's word came to his prophet. Elijah, prophet, word ministry, restores God's word, reveals the Son of Man, messenger to the last church age. Prophet finishing all mysteries. Come, accept God's way. Now delivered from Satan, deceit, unbelief, confusion. Now. Are we to presume that for 2,000 years the church has been in bondage? Until now? 
This was taken back in the early 60s. His name is William Branham. He's dead. He's with somebody now. And there is an energetic movement of his followers just north of the border. Abbotsford, is that right? Jeff, where are you? Is it Abbotsford area? Somewhere up. What's that? Across from Linden, up that way? Right across from Blaine. This card was put on the window of one of our folks and all of the other cars in the parking lot. That's, that's how energetic the movement is. Turn the lights back on and click me back to the PowerPoint, please. So the question I want to ask today is, are you disobeying God and possibly missing out on some important new truth and the definitive understanding of the Bible because you aren't listening to this man's message? He is Elijah come to forerun the return of Christ. Shouldn't you be listening to him? Let's find out in John 16. Jesus is talking to the disciples in the upper room. He's preparing them for his departure. He has been since chapter 13 for several hours, we would say, in the upper room. We're going to start in verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. We considered this passage last week and we were encouraged to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who convicts people of sin. It is our job to declare the truth. It is God's job through the Holy Spirit to make it true to people. That's why we were so blessed yesterday to study how to teach the God's Word in a, in a coherent and cohesive manner to unbelievers because we know that some of those people who hear God's truth are going to believe because the Holy Spirit is going, to, is going to take that seed and germinate it in them. And so we're excited about that. We're hoping to see maybe more fruit as we teach that word better. But it's the Holy Spirit who convicts a wonderful prophecy that Jesus made concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now this week, in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Remember, this is Jesus talking to the apostles in, in terms of a primary reference here. I still have many things to say, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The first thing that we understand from this passage of Scripture is, is there on uh, the board for you. The Holy Spirit revealed God's truth. Look at verse 13. When he, the Holy Spirit of truth has, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. This is the way that Jesus put it in John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He 
will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What this tells us is this, folks. Did the apostles have super-duper memories to remember everything that Jesus said? No. They had the Holy Spirit specifically working in them to help them remember what to write down. Matthew, Mark, and Luke did in particular when they wrote their Gospels. And of course, uh, you know, Peter wrote some things later on. And, uh, and the other, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul and so on. They had supernatural memory as a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here's an example of that memory from John 12. And now remember, when John is writing the Gospel of John, it's, it's, it's uh, decades later. And here's one of the things he said. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. The Apostle John himself, in the third person, is writing about himself. He said the disciples didn't remember, but later on when he was glorified, which means Jesus Christ, dead, buried, resurrected, taken to heaven, and the Holy Spirit given, then they remembered those things. Second Peter puts it this way, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in the apostles. They wrote God's truth. Or in the case of the Old Testament, he moved in the prophets, and they wrote the Old Testament. Look at verse 13. When the Holy Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into truth, for he will not speak on his own. The Greek text would literally stop right there. He won't speak on his own or out of his own. And in, in, in the New King James, it supplies the word authority. Other translations supply other words. The idea is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak independently of God the Father or God the Son. The tri-unity of the Godhead is just that. The Father and Son and Spirit always work exactly in concert. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks and inspires truth through the apostles, in this case, he's speaking God's truth through them. He will not speak on his own. The entire nature of God's truth is supernatural. It's supernatural in its origin, in its content, and in its delivery. God is the source of the truth, which is obviously not the product of human reasoning. Do you know why I know that God's word is not the product of humans? Why? <laughs> because the humans have devised Mormonism and the Jehovah's Witness religion and supply the name. Why don't they take this? Because it doesn't suit them. And so they make up one that suits them. This religion does not suit mankind because it cuts across the pride of mankind. It says, you're not good enough. You cannot earn your own salvation. It says, there is a God and he exists in three persons. And we look up and we go, how can there be one God in three persons? This is not the product of human reason. It's the product of God's thinking revealed through the Holy Spirit. Yes, there were men who wrote it down, but it is the product of God given through the Holy Spirit. And he does not speak out of synchronization with the Father or the Son. One author in commenting wrote this, In the unfathomable unity of the, tri of the Trinity, the Spirit likewise will not speak on his own initiative, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak. Like the Son, the Spirit always acts in complete harmony with the Father. Thus, the Holy Spirit's leading will always be consistent with God's revealed will in the Bible. He will never lead anyone to violate the principles of God's Word. That's where the rubber meets the road here, folks. Don't ever say, I think the Spirit is leading me. Unless he's leading you to do something God said in the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit will never act out of sync with God's truth. And when he revealed God's truth, it was completely in sync. When a man named Barnett, who was the pastor of the community chapel in Burien, began to say that the Spirit had told him that every Christian has a perfect spiritual partner from God, and it may be the person you're married to, or it may be somebody else, And when he began to say that he had the ability to know who that perfect spiritual partner was, and when he began to allow things to go on between those spiritual partners that culminated all the way in sexual relations, that man was not speaking God's truth. Because the Holy Spirit of God will never inspire anything that conflicts with God's Word. Never. When Sung Young Moon said Jesus failed in his mission to marry and start the perfect race before he was killed, and when he said that God had sent him to fulfill this failure, I have to say that message is not from God because it doesn't match the rest of God's message. When Joseph Smith says Jesus was a man just like we are and he became a God just like we can, I have to say, that is not a revelation from God. And if you're out of the Mormon faith today, I I, I don't say this meanly, but I say, examine the Scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit does not reveal truth in conflict with what God reveals. Listen to this from uh, Mr. Branham's website. Jesus never referred to himself as the Son of God. He referred to himself always as the Son of Man. And notice, he revealed himself then as the prophet and the seer. Well, Matthew 26, Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell me if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, it is as you said. Am I missing something? Hey, either his message is from God or his message isn't from God. This serious business. You'll see why here in just a minute. God's truth is always consistent with itself. The Holy Spirit is the divine person who is responsible for communicating that truth to and through mankind. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. It is the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God, who knows what God wanted said, and He took that truth, and He came to men like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and Peter, and He said, write this down. And they wrote it down. And it became the word that we're holding in our hands. Now, Look at my point. The Holy Spirit revealed 
God's truth. That is written in the past tense on purpose. I believe that all of God's truth has been revealed, period. There is no more truth being revealed. And I will offer just one uh, biblical concept as to why I believe this is true. I believe the scripture was complete in A.D. 100. And here's one reason. In only one book of the Bible, in only one book of the Bible, did God warn us about the sacredness of the content And that is the book written last of all. I'm fully aware that when I show you this scripture, some people will say, well, that only applies to that book. That could be. But I find it curious that if that's the case, why did God only write it in one book? Does that mean we can mess with the rest of the books? For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And that's written at the end of the book of Revelation. A couple of verses after that to say, Behold, I come quickly. A clear indication that God said, Look, it's done. Don't mess with it. The next thing that's happening is I'm coming. Now, a commentator that I read this week put this very succinctly when he put it this way. Because the book of Revelation describes the entire sweep of history from the end of the apostolic age, that's, let's call it the end of 100 AD, unto the eternal state. Because it describes everything in history from then all the way to the eternal state, to add to it, would be to add to the Scripture. The predictive portions project from John's lifetime all the way to the eternal state. Any type of prophetic utterance would intrude into the domain of the coverage and constitute either an addition to or a subtraction from Revelation's content. I think that's one of the wisest things I've heard written on this. God at the end of that last book in which he told us everything that's going to happen. Now, did he tell us everything that's going to happen in the age in which we're living? This is a trick question, class. Yes, he did. What's going to happen right now? People are going to get saved, and some people are going to reject the truth. Isn't that what he told us? (laughs) And then Jesus is going to come... You're either going to die and go to heaven or you're going to be living when Jesus comes and take us off this planet and then all the rest of the things are set in motion written in the book of Revelation. And so God has told us everything. There is nothing more to tell. Let me just, let me just say this. Anytime you hear anybody start talking about truth, new truth, more truth, mystery is revealed, Run. Don't walk to the nearest exit. The most dangerous heresy, the most dangerous heresy is the heresy that there is new truth being revealed. Do you know why? Because once you open that door, it's Pandora's box. There's no limit. If I allow one new prophecy, I have to allow all. And frankly, I haven't heard a single prophecy, and certainly not from that fellow, that tells me I should abandon the study of this. I tell you what, when you master that, move on to the new stuff. 
He says in here he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So why are we looking for something else? Only because we didn't find what we wanted? Fill in the blank. The Holy Spirit revealed to mankind all of the truth that God wanted mankind to know. Does God know some stuff that is not written in the Bible? Yeah, I think so. Why has he chosen not to reveal it to us? Because he's God. And at some point, we really have to come to accept him as God. And he hasn't chosen maybe to tell us some little detail about tomorrow's schedule in life. It's it's his business. Well, the Holy Spirit revealed God's truth. Secondly, the Holy Spirit reveals, continuous tense, God's word. And I have purposely worded this to make you chew just a little bit. Look at verse 14 of John 16. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus Christ. For he will take what is mine and declare it. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. One of the names of Jesus Christ is the Word of God, as in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later in the chapter, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. One of the names of Christ is the Word of God, and the word word is the word logos. We get our word logic from it, and it means a, an organized plan of communication, if you will. It's, it's not just words blasted out, but it's thought patterns. And Jesus is called the, the thought patterns of God. It's, he's communicating to us through the life of Christ, and so he's called the Word of God. And what he said right here, the Holy Spirit will do, is he will bring honor to Jesus. He will glorify me. For he will declare my truth to you. The word, uh, the word um, declare there is the word for announce. It's the same root word as the word for gospel. And it means to announce something. In the word gospel, it's coupled with the word for good, the good announcement. Here it's talking about announcing the things of Christ. The passage here tells us that the Holy Spirit both reveals Christ and the Bible. He reveals God's truth and he reveals the person of Christ. And that's why we would say the scriptures are Christ-centered. If you want to be fancy, Christocentric. The scriptures are Christocentric. They're Christ-focused. One author put it this way, Consequently, any movement which purports to be led by the Spirit and yet focuses interest on the Spirit's phenomena rather than on the person of Christ belies its own claims. If the Spirit is greatly at work, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to see Jesus clearer than you've ever seen Him. The mistake of our modern Christian society is they think if the Spirit's at work, we're going to get tinglys. Really? Or we're going to see angel feathers falling through the sky. Is that something that people have really said in a real church not far from us? Yes. Come on. The Spirit is all about revealing Jesus Christ, God's Word. When he's really at work, people go, oh, that's what Jesus is like. Oh, isn't Jesus great? 
And of course, the primary way the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus is right here. That's the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Lord taught, the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to think great thoughts about the Father. Try to get this comment by John Phillips. The Lord taught the disciples, Jesus taught the disciples while he was here on earth to think great thoughts about the Father. The Holy Spirit is here now to teach us great thoughts about the Son. If anything, calling itself Christian teaching makes its approach to us and it does not exalt and glorify Christ, it is not of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.15 tells us why. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before, in other words, a priority. Uh, He's the first. He's the most important before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, not the Holy Spirit, not some human being. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring attention to Christ. He works in us and he works around us and he works through us. So we will say, isn't Christ great? Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, Jesus, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Any teaching that any person should receive any glory, whether it's Mother Mary, Joseph Smith, William Branham, or anyone else, is not from the Holy Spirit. When the messenger is exalted, the message is wrong. While the Holy Spirit is not revealing truth today, he is not revealing truth today, he is absolutely essential to our grasping of the truth he has already revealed. And so we use the word illumination. The Holy Spirit illuminates. That's the the sophisticated way to say he turns the light on. Remember the old Ford ads? Ford had a better idea. I guess the light bulb burned out. Something happened at Ford. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I love Fords, don't get me wrong. I'm driving a Dodge right now. but <sighs> The Holy Spirit illuminates God's truth. Illumination is the term we use to describe the Holy Spirit's ministry of causing us to grasp or to understand the meaning of God's truth. In verse 13 here, he puts it this way. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And in 14.26, that we already made reference to, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now I understand, and I want you to understand, that these scriptures have a primary application to the Apostles. That's a term you ought to get a hold of if you haven't in your Bible study. Scripture has a primary application and it has often a secondary application. What do I mean by that? I understand that God only revealed truth through the apostles. And I understand that he gave them a remembrance that that led to inspiration. But I also understand that everything he told to the apostles applies to us in a form. And so he is the one who brings to remembrance the things that he says to us. Why are you able to remember that Bible verse in that moment when you need to? 
Is it because you're an intellectual giant? No. And that's an encouragement. That's not a criticism. It's because the Holy Spirit is in you, or he can be if he's not, and he wants to be active and help you remember and help you know and help you, help you know what to do. When I opened the Word of God, uh, yes, I, I, I went to Bible college for several years and took a lot of classes, but it's the Holy Spirit then and the Holy Spirit now that helps me to understand. I, I counted them up this week just for this purpose. I, I read like 17 commentaries on every passage of John. 17, I've got 17 books I'm working through, but they are not the ones who teach me. The Holy Spirit teaches And he uses other godly men. The Holy Spirit is our illuminator. The Word of God is spiritually understood. Your physical eyes, ears, and brain are used in the process, but it is not primarily a physical or mental exercise. It is a spiritual exercise. Listen to this prayer from the Apostle Paul for the Ephesians. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what I pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Paul said, I am praying that when you read the word of God, your eyes will be open and you'll see what great stuff God is trying to do in you. In, in 1 John, John wrote these very important words. You have an anointing or a special outpouring from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Now, I could preach this one way and get rid of my job. Right? You don't need any man to teach you. You don't need to be sitting here on Sunday morning. I can worship in nature just as well as I do at church. Well, that's not true. There is a place for a spiritually mature person, whether it be a pastor or an Awana leader or a Sunday school teacher or your friend down the block, to help you understand God's truth. But here's what these verses are saying. If some man comes along and says, you must have this fellow's, understanding you must have my understanding when that is said you should look for the nearest exit and run because that fellow is exalting himself above the holy spirit the reason i put so much scripture up there is because it would take too long to turn to it in here but the references are there and you can check it for yourself if i'm speaking a lie to you you better come and confront me If you care about the church or me, you better come tell me. But I'm trying to say, look, this is what God says. This is not Dave Lunsford's idea. And those of you who are in my Sunday school class know that we have have questions and we discuss things and we kick things around and once in a great while I have to say, I don't know. We had one of those this morning. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? I don't know. Because God doesn't say. Okay? 
Well, when somebody comes along and says, this man has the definitive word, just shut it down and run away. Keep it in your file for your next sermon illustration. But don't pay any attention because this fellow is either deluded or he's a deceiver. The the devil works as an angel of light. I'm not saying this guy's a devil. I, I didn't know him. I can't judge him. I haven't read enough of his stuff. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's possible because some of the stuff he is saying is not in God's word. You have an anointing. When some human being is exalted as the man or the woman, we need to run. The Holy Spirit, there are two more things that I need to say to you this morning, and that's this. The Holy Spirit is revealed. He reveals God's word. He illuminates the truth. But the Holy Spirit requires the believer's obedience. The Holy Spirit requires the believer's obedience. This is not in John 16. It's in other scripture. And here are some texts that have to do with not sinning against the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Here's the commonality in these commands that I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is automatically active in every believer until the first day they sin. Because when you sin, you quench, you throw water on his fire. There's no instruction in the New Testament that says, get the Spirit active. Oh, Holy Spirit, please come, please do something. There's no instruction that way. I understand that that said, be filled with the Spirit, but what it is saying is, let Him fill you. He's trying to fill you. Let Him do it. It doesn't say, oh, please come fill me. Please come fill me. No, He's standing right there. He's standing right there like pouring water into a glass, and you put a cap on the top, and the cap is sin. When we sin, the Holy Spirit is quenched. He is grieved. He is made sad. There's an example of this and how it connects to understanding the Scripture in 1 Corinthians 3. I, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. I had to speak to you as to fleshly, carnal, sinful, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it. There's a lid on this glass. I can't pour anything else in. Why? For you're carnal. For whereas there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? This is an example, not an exhaustive one, of this truth. If you live in sin, the Bible is closed. Shut. You'll open it up, and you'll read it, and you'll say, you know, Pastor Dave, I just don't get that much out of it. There's only two reasons why you don't get something out of the Bible. Number one, you don't have the Spirit to begin with. He comes in when you accept Christ as your Savior. Have you ever believed in Christ? If you haven't, you don't have the Spirit. He can't possibly help you. Number two, you're living in sin. You've got to confess your sin. And every day when I open my Bible, the first thing I, I try to remember to do, once in a while I forget and I say, God, is there something I have let go in my spiritual life? Is there some sin I have not confessed? You know what the worst is? The absolute worst? It's when I have to go tell her I'm sorry. <sighs> See, I've been doing this long enough that I know that scripture in 1 Peter where it says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor as to the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered. 
man, I hate that. Because I'm in a bind. I either have to, I either have to shut the Bible and walk away on God, or I have to go and say I'm sorry. That's the worst. But that's what you have to do if you want to know God's truth. You've got to humble yourself, and you've got to confess your sin. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the one who opens the word, but he cannot open it to a person who is living in sin. He will not open it. Why would God give you more understanding when you're not using the understanding he already gave you? So you confess your sin. Let me give you a little diagram here. Oh, the words are a little dark. I hope you can read them. Maybe click the lights off for a second, please, Mike. Um, Knowledge, righteousness, understanding. These three go in a cycle. Um, And they need to all be going. Um, When you come to Christ, you're brand new, you're sin-free, and... You come to church and it says, don't lie. Let's use that as an example. And you go out the door, you have this knowledge, don't lie. And you come to a situation where you have to choose, lie or don't lie, and you lie. At that moment, you're in sin. The Holy Spirit is quenched. But if you take the knowledge you have and say, don't lie, I'm not going to lie this time, and you do righteousness, then you set yourself up for more understanding. And when you have more understanding, you gain more knowledge, and you have more knowledge, and you have the opportunity to live more righteously. There's a cycle. Now, if you've allowed sin to go in your life, it's, it's stopped. And you've got to get it opened back up. You've got to confess your sin. Grasping the truth of God begins with your righteous life. If you're living in sin, don't expect to understand what you read or what you hear from this pulpit. But there's one more thing that's required to get the ministry of the Holy Spirit to to fully receive the ministry that he is trying to give us. And it's based out of this verse. Say it if you know it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the key verse for our Awana Club. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What's the key to rightly understanding the word of truth? What? Be diligent. Be diligent. Righteousness is not enough. You can be righteous and stick the Bible right under your pillow, and you will not know any more of it in the morning than you knew at night. There's got to be diligence The Holy Spirit empowers the believer's diligence and there is growth in knowledge. The word diligence is used a number of times in the New Testament and it challenges us to be hard at work in our spiritual lives. Now this is not us working to earn God's favor. This is not us putting our human intellect in the place of the Holy Spirit. It is giving a wholehearted effort to hearing and applying God's truth And when we do that, the Holy Spirit empowers that obedience and that understanding. And that's when we actually live like Christ and we grow in Christ. The Holy Spirit will not miraculously implant God's truth into your mind without you opening the Bible or coming to church to hear it. The great news is this, though. When I, with a clean heart, read and study and do my best to live God's word... The Holy Spirit empowers my 
diligent effort. That's when, that's when this verse happens. But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. When I give effort, the Holy Spirit empowers that effort at learning God's Word and living God's Word, and I grow in Him. When the blizzard hit this last Thursday, I didn't realize how much snow was falling until I left the office at about 5.45. And I looked outside, and I thought, oh, shoot, my car is covered with snow, and I'm all crippled up. And I got no gloves, and I got no hat, and I got no brush to use my stupid left hand with. So I kind of, you know, I did what those people are that I make fun of. I just kind of did the windshield and kind of did with my hand a little bit. And I, and I had to go to Hagen on the way home, so I go to Hagen. And I come out of Hagen, and my car's covered again. It's just coming down. So I grab a plastic bag, and I put it on my left hand to brush the snow off so I can make it up the big hill and... And uh, finally made it up the big hill. Just I had to turn around once. I was hoping my, my car wouldn't get stuck, and, but just about did. And I got home, I looked down, and my wedding ring was gone. I thought, oh, shoot. Must be when I, and I had that bag on, and it came off, and I put it back on. I thought it must have slipped off. And so I thought, maybe it's still in that bag. So I thought, well, I'll drive back down there and look for that bag. I went out and got in the car, and there was the bag right there in the car, and no ring. I thought, oh, shoot. So Sue called Hagen and left a message. Hey, we lost the wedding ring, da-da-da. You know how that goes. About like the wedding ring I lost in Taco Bell one time. It's gone forever, you know. Yeah, this is number three right here. <laughs> well, the first one was burglarized. That's not my fault. Third time you're out. So, so the next morning, I'm, I'm going down to somewhere for breakfast i haven't decided yet but it might be mcdonald's and i'm driving past i think i'm going to go i'm going to go over there to hagen and i'm going to look so i go to hagen and i park about where i'd parked the night before and i walked around the car one side and there it was laying right on the ground and i picked it up and i said to the guy in the car that was getting out i said if you don't believe in prayer you should now buddy but would i have found that ring without some effort no, I could have prayed all night long. But I needed to go do something. And the same thing is true here, folks. I'm glad you're in church. But you need to do something with this truth today. That's why we have sermon notes in the, in the bulletin. And I'm not saying you have to take notes to be spiritual. But I'm saying if you take some notes, you could go home and review. And then say, God, help me to live this out. And really work at it not because of me but because it's god's truth and if you put some diligence into it you're going to grow you're going to be transformed into the image of the lord what a cool thing is that went to my orthopedist this week and and uh, he said i was doing well and i was doing the right things you know i take this off sometimes but i'd be careful but i take it off and i stretch there are certain stretching exercises i'm supposed to do and uh, they don't hurt at first. But if I don't do them, I will get a frozen shoulder. No pain, 
no gain. Right? Look, folks, this is work. This work. We had a seminar yesterday where we learned some good things about how to maybe more wisely share God's truth. But those of you who were there still have some work to do. Because you need to keep studying. The more you're going to share with unbelievers, the more you've got to study. You've got to know this truth. Because you're going to have to share all kinds of stuff before it's done. I want to encourage you to be busy about cooperating with the ministry of the Spirit. Don't waste your time on the foolish teachers. Don't waste your time there. Just get in the Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making the Word available to us, for opening it up to us. Help us to do our part. Help us to get busy, get the Word open every day. Help us to live right. Help us to grab your truth and live in it. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's grab our hymn books and turn to number 395.